The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to Sports Talk New York on this Sunday, May the 2nd, 2021, here on Long Island's WGBB Broadcasting from our beautiful downtown Merrick Studios. Gary Harding with you for the next 120 minutes, talking to you about the world of New York sports. Uh, my tag team partner, John Tanneris, will actually join the show at 8.30, calling in... Um, Unfortunately, he's got some family issues to deal with and uh, couldn't make it tonight. But um, again, he'll be, he'll join us at eight thirty. And uh, joining us in a minute, uh, we got Molly Walker, who is the uh, beat reporter for the Rangers, and now going to be covering the Islanders for the New York Post. And uh, at the nine o'clock hour, we've got our our, our good friend of the, of at least of this portion of the show, Paul Kreischer, that's going to join for the next hour to talk. Um, all sorts of things, hockey and everything else. But, um, uh, you know, it was an interesting couple of days, uh, for the, for the Islanders and Rangers, of course, playing each other on Thursday and Saturday nights with, uh, Semyon Varlamov pulling off two shutouts, uh, to, uh, give the Islanders, uh, at least for now, third place and clinching a playoff spot. Um, there is still some scenarios to go, but we do have our guests on the line. Again, she is uh, a reporter for the New York Post covering the NHL, and her name is Molly Walker, and she's joining us on WGBB Sports Talk. Molly, it's Gary Harding. Uh, glad to meet you, by the way, last night at the game, and how you doing tonight? Yeah, that was such a pleasant surprise. It was very nice to meet you as well. <laughs> yeah, um, good uh, good catching up. And uh, so let's just, um, for the people here on the island that don't get the New York Post and, frankly, uh, I don't know why you don't, because it's a great sports paper. Why don't you just give us a little bit of a background of you before we uh, we get into all good things hockey? Sure. So um, I'm 24 years old. I just uh, am starting to wrap up my second year um, with the New York Post. I was hired very shortly after I graduated from UMass. Um, I was able to cover the now national championship UMass hockey team um, during their first run to the national championship and then got to watch from the comfort of my house when they actually went and won it so go you Um, (laughs) but yeah that's a little bit about me I cover both the Rangers and the Islanders although I know all the Islanders fans listening probably don't agree with that statement but I promise when the Rangers are out of the playoff of playoff run which is inevitable I will be back <laughs> on the Islanders full time <laughs> well I guess I, I you know I know you've been covering the Rangers a lot this year but you did a I, I'd say a great job covering during the bubble last year and, and I know a lot of Islander fans do appreciate that so uh, you know I know there's been Thank some you. I know I try to make some comments on you know or some requests and things are on on Twitter and there are some people that I will Honestly, say uh, I don't support. So, but getting, <laughs> getting out of that again, you've been covering the team all year, and you know, for about the past ten game or fifteen games before this coming this past Thursday and Saturday, the Rangers were one of the hottest teams in the league. You know, uh, scoring goals at, at incredible rates. You know, especially in this NHL day and age. Um, what do you think, looking at this team very closely, uh, was it just a matter of maybe them running out of gas a little bit at the end, or was it just 
them facing an Islander team who just seems to have their, or a goaltender that seems to definitely have their number, but a team that kind of takes them away from, I think, the strengths that they have. It is 100% just looking across the other end of the ice and the fact that the Islanders were the team that was there. It is just a big eye-opener for the Rangers of how far they truly do have to go before they are true Stanley Cup contenders. And I'm the first one to say the Islanders are that perfect blueprint for a team that is able to go to the distance and that has the reinforcements and has the chemistry, has the identity. And that's a lot of things that the Rangers are missing right now. And if you look at the numbers and and the opponents, you know, yes, the Rangers did beat the Devils four times in a row, which is hard no matter who you're playing, even if it is a Devils team that just shipped off two of its veteran offensive producers in Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak and then two wins over Buffalo, too. So going 6-0 and against the bottom of the division, I guess, you know, it's still an accomplishment in and itself, but it is also kind of they were in do-or-die mode and they needed that in order to keep their playoff hopes alive and I think that they probably would have been a little bit embarrassed if they weren't able to rise to that occasion so they did so kudos to them for doing that but at the end of the day the fact that they got the Islanders for these last two games and now they've got Washington for two coming up and Boston for two it's just these upper echelon teams of the East are really, there's a huge drop-off between the top four in the division right now and then the bottom of the division. And that's just where the Rangers are right now. They're at the top of the bottom of the division. So there are still steps and things that need to happen for this Rangers team. But I think that it definitely uh, was a successful season in the sense that a lot of young players did take developmental steps. So, but to your point, 100%, it was just the fact that they were playing the Islanders. It's just night and day between those two teams yeah. now, really. And you look at you look at the Ranger lineup, and again, you know, take out the Stars, and it's an extremely, extremely young team. You've got, you mm-hmm. know, five or six guys that are under the age of 23 that are making huge steps in their careers. Um, you know, we, uh, my partner John and I talked at the beginning of the season when we were watching – Alexei Lafreniere start, and we kept wondering, um, is this going to be a similar situation to a Jack Hughes of the pressure of being the number one pick in the NHL? And, and you could see that, you know, there was something missing in those first 15 games, and it seemed like, you know, maybe around, you know, the first or second week of, you know, of March that the, uh, you know, or, sorry, February, that the, the, it started, to, the gear started to click and, and things started to go. Um, just give us a, your take of how how Mr. Lafreniere has made his progression from a number one pick and all the expectations to basically finishing up his first full season in the NHL. You know, I think David Quinn really points it out very well. If you look at the way this season was constructed in particular, no training camp, yeah. no exhibition games, thrown right into the fire has never had a more true meaning. And it's totally possible that Lefinger would have had a different start to the season if he got that same beginning that most NHL players do, but he didn't because of this pandemic that we're in, and it just changed the whole beginning of the season, truly. And I think it just, you know, there obviously there's always going to be the fans, like, five games in, he's a bust, you know, so <laughs> there's always, that's always going to be there. But yeah. it's so unfair to say that 
about a 19-year-old kid who's playing in a man's league and that literally has 52 games of NHL experience right now. And right. it took him some time to find his footing, to change his style of offensive approach from what he was doing in junior league. And it's a completely different game, and he had to figure it out for himself. The other thing is, once he was moved to the top line with mm-hmm. Mika Zibanejad and Pavel Buchnevich, he's no longer on the third next to Philip Edel, Kapokako, Julian Gauthier, whoever was in that right-wing spot. He is now playing with top-tier talent, and that's what the Rangers' biggest problem is, is they have all of these young players that are top-six guys that need to be around the veteran top-six guys in order to bring out their skills and to bring out what makes them good, but they are coming out of their ears in top-six players. So there is no balance right now. There is no way to kind of flush it out through throughout the top, all the four lines. So I think that Lafreniere, now that he's in a spot where he has responsibility, he's getting the minutes, he's next to players like Zibanejad, he can get him the puck. And Pavel Buchnevich, who is going to put in the rebound, mm-hmm. he is getting the points and starting to see it show up on the stat sheet. And I think that Quinn will probably keep him there going forward next season, especially after how well he's done in the last couple of games here. Well, just continuing on that, that question, you mentioned his name. Um, what do you think is the um, the situation with Capo Caco? I mean, to me, you know, watching him before he came here, you know, you, you see, you know, again, a, a man playing with kids because of his size and his structure and uh, his solid two-way ability. And it just it just didn't seem to click last year. And you, you see there are signs of, of incredible talent on this kid. And what do you think, uh, in the case of him, that he just hasn't, you know, picked up, like, you know, looking at comparing him to, say, Jack Hughes, who in his second year seemed to seem to turn a corner and, and to get his game developed into a, into a higher level. Why do you think Cap, Caco hasn't gotten to that kind of step yet in his second year? I think it's kind of the same deal with what I was just saying about Lefrenier. Like, he is also a top-six kind of player, and he has gotten a couple of looks on the second line next to Ryan Strome, next to Artemi Panarin. And in the beginning of the season, it wasn't that great, so Quinn put him back down. But the last stretch that he was on that second line, he did do pretty well. You know, he kind of recognized what he needed to do to complement that line, and that's getting in front of the net and just, you know, letting the puck from Artemi Panarin hit him right on the stick and just put it in, you know, because that's Artemi Panarin's strength. And Capo is such a big body, strong guy. You know, he was playing in the Swedish league and he was playing with men before he came over to the NHL. You know, I'd say the Swedish league is like right below the NHL in the, in the sense of, you know, size and strength. But I do think that he has taken strides. It's just a problem of, you know, I think Philip Hedel needs to take more strides in this game, but he's also a player that would do better next to someone like Artemi yeah. Panarin, you know, next to someone like Pavel Buchnevich. So it's just, there really is an unbalance here right now, and that's really hurting the Rangers a lot. They don't have a fourth line like the Islanders. They don't have a J.G. Peugeot who can anchor a third and make anybody who's on his wings a better player. They just don't have. They just don't have that, and that's why it's so tough to get a lot out of players like Capo Caco. But he has taken strides. If you watch him closely, he is 
getting in the dirty areas of the ice. He's battling along the boards. He has made a bunch of really good plays where he comes out of scrums with the puck, and that's what they need him to do. But he just doesn't do it as well in the bottom six than he does when he's on the top six. So right. it's something that the Rangers are going to have to evaluate going forward. For well, sure. to be to be perfectly honest with you, Molly, and again, we're talking with Molly Walker of the New York Post on WGBB Sports Talk New York. I, I think, um, you know, me in my 50s and you even in your 20s, I think, you know, Panarin's going to make anybody look good, you know, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. But um, <laughs> let's just switch and, and now just go on the defensive side. And, again, you know, unfortunately with um, the last two uh, Islander Ranger games before, two defensemen got uh, basically taken out of the game on – I would say pretty decent, you know, hits, but, you know, nothing nothing negative. But, you know, Jacob Trouba, who's been solid all year for you guys, gets knocked out by Matt Martin a couple of weeks ago. And then uh, Ryan Lindgren, you know, an unfortunate hit, you know, where he, him and Cal Clutterbuck came together and he got to the end of the uh, of the bench and uh, knocked out. Um, you know, it, it's a shame that, you know, in the time when they needed it that they lost two of their – your top defensive players. Um, just tell me a little bit about some of the guys that have had to, unfortunately, had to step up. And again, um, you could also talk about Adam Fox, the Jericho product, who's to me is I I gotta say he if he's not in consideration for the Calder, there's something definitely wrong. But he has made to me unbelievable steps in his in his development. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, when Jacob Trubo was officially knocked out, the interesting aspect that happened to the D-pairs, in my opinion, is Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox were their workhorses no matter what, but they were even more so workhorses in Jacob Trubo's absence because then the third defensive pair became Libor Hayek and Zach Jones, right. who don't, not, aren't even close to 100 NHL games combined. You know, Zach Jones just made his NHL debut this season, you know, with a recent addition after winning the national championship with his ass. So naturally, David Quinn didn't want to put that tandem on the ice, which totally understandable, but that in turn made Quinn double shift. Fox and Lindgren. Right. And that, I even asked Quinn, I was like, are you worried about burning them out because these guys are on on the ice every every 10 minutes you know like it's ridiculous and i think that he, he first of all he said yes he was like very bluntly like we need to do a better job of that and then getting having lingering get knocked out it totally just messed up all of the pairs and and it just it you know that was probably the uh one thing that you could say about the Rangers in the second Islanders game of this past set is, you know, they were outmatched to begin with mm-hmm. in the first game, but the second game, it wasn't even a competition considering the players that they were missing. Um, so I think that you're right. It was a very unfortunate circumstance that given the most important, you know, set of games of the season, they were without their leading um defensive guys and especially Jacob Truba he's you know he had a pretty rocky first season on Broadway mm-hmm. last year and I think that he ended on a high note in the bubble if you could call anything about the Rangers performance <laughs> in the bubble a high note it was Jacob Truba and then this season I ask any player David Quinn he stepped into a leadership role which he never really talked talks about or you know he's a very you know modest kind of guy 
but everybody talked about it for him, you know, that he was vocal in the locker room, he was taking young players under their wing, under his wing, and I think that that also is a, was a pretty big loss not to have that voice in the locker room for them. Yeah, it's, it's a shame the way things worked out, but, uh, okay, a couple more things on the Rangers and then we'll, we'll switch gears and talk Islanders. Um, uh, right now on the looking, just looking at cap friendly and the Rangers are in a, again, being as a young team as they are, they're in a great situation where they've, they've got about $25 million in cap space heading into next season. You've only got two unrestricted, uh, one major unrestricted free agent in Brendan Smith, the other Philip DiGiuseppe, but, uh, it looks like there's, there's an opportunity here for the Rangers to, uh, to potentially pick up some talent. I mean, you know, with the young team as it is, how difficult do you think that's going to be a situation for the uh, the brain trust to try to maybe uh, obtain a you know a major you know free agent talent when you when you may want to you may potentially stunt the development of the young kids. What what's the GM going to have uh, as a situation this summer? It should be really interesting. Yeah, I definitely am curious to see how they go about it. Um, and you mentioned Brendan Smith. You know, I was actually talking about this with my colleague Larry Brooks because I was wondering what he was expecting it and what he was expecting is kind of what I'm expecting as well. I would not be surprised at all if they gave Brendan Smith uh, a one-year deal to come back. He's one of those guys that has really bought into what they're doing on the Rangers, bought into the idea of nurturing the young players and, and helping them, you know, help, helping pass the torch and, and showing them the way and being a, a leadership voice. So, um, but that's, you know, that's also contingent on if there are other teams in the league that could look at Brendan Smith right. like a, a depth seventh defenseman that is also uh, just a great attitude and a good presence in the locker room who could totally serve several teams very well that are, uh, you know, aiming for a Stanley Cup. So we'll see what happens with that. As far as another off-season addition, it's a total possibility. But like I've mentioned a couple times on this call, it's got to be the right kind of guy. They mm-hmm. cannot get another Pavel Buchnevich, another Mika Zibanejad. They have so many of the finesse, skill players the kind of players that get knocked off the puck very easily. They need a physical presence, kind of like Chris Kreider, but a little bit more, you know, physical and a little bit more oomph, I guess you could say, in the top six to just kind of anchor it. So I think that it's it's going to be a real plug and chug for, for Rangers management trying to figure out how they're going to balance out this squad because, like you said, it's, you know, that's been the balance of this whole season is trying to figure out how to get the young players meaningful minutes and and teach them what it's like to play in meaningful games and learn the game as 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 a whole but you also want to stay competitive and having a team whose average age is under 25 years mm-hmm. old is just not going to cut it no matter yeah. what I mean it's been not not even in the East division by itself which is probably going to not happen again after this season but when it gets to the whole league again it's just it's not even a competition yeah I mean 
you know, as a as a fan of this division, I will definitely be glad when we we don't see Boston again eight times a year. That's <laughs> for sure. Uh, all right, so switching teams to the team you're going to cover, and again, I, <laughs> I, I I I stand by my word and say you did a great job covering the team last year, and I really thank you. And most Islander fans I know do appreciate it, but looking at it again, looking at more of an outsider now coming in. Um, the team has obviously struggled a little bit, you know, after Anders Lee got hurt. Um, being that you're in a playoff situation and things are a little different, how much of that loss is still gonna, you think, is still gonna affect this team come playoff time? Well, I looked at what happened to them last season before they went into the, the season getting suspended. They were on a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, that was also because of, of, of a bunch of injuries and things like that, but I guess, I mean, this team plays so hard and so aggressive on the forecheck and in their systems that I think it could be a matter of just getting exhausted by this time of year, you know. I think that it's it's not anything really to be concerned about because once it gets to postseason time and once, you know, round one starts, it's, they're right back, you know, they seem to get their legs, you know, right underneath them. But I, I don't think it's something to be concerned about. I think that this is a very chemistry-driven team, and the fact that Palmieri and Zajac were brought in, no doubt it shook them up a little bit and kind of rocked the chemistry a bit in the line and not having Andres Lee on that top line there. So I think that all of those outside factors considered – that's why things have kind of faltered for them, but no doubt with more time and, you know, more reps next to each other, they're going to find the chemistry, and I predict that Palmieri and Zajac are going to make an impact in the postseason because Lou Lamorello did not bring them in not to, and I think that they're both well aware of that, and they're also playing for contracts, so yeah, that's sure. also added motivation. Um, you know, I mean, the only negative or the Achilles heel for this Islander team in the last season, you know, looking at the three teams that are going to be probably with them in the playoffs, you look at the Washington Capitals, they are they are 0-4 at Capital One Arena. You look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're 0-4 at uh, PPG Paints. You look at Boston, they have one game left with them, obviously, on the uh, 11th of May, but they're 1-2 at TD Garden. Um, so it's you know, people are saying, "Oh, do you rest your regulars? Do you rest, you know, rest guys up for the playoffs?" But I, I think they have to play, you know, hundred hundred fifty percent nailed to the wall because I think they're going to want to get second place because you know as well as everybody else, you know, they're the they're the number one home team right now in the NHL, mm-hmm. and I think, uh, you know, as you wrote in your article today about the you know the last uh, Islander Ranger game at the Coliseum, there's nothing for it. Never loses, you know trying to uh, say, you know, stay a little while, but, you know, they're going to need that home cooking come playoff time. Oh, 100%, and I know that they were talking about it post-game uh, last night as well, that, you know, now that they've clinched, the next goal is home ice, because, you know, for all the reasons that you just mentioned, um, but to resting, resting guys, I just don't think that's Barry Trotz's style. No. I really don't. I just don't. I don't think that that's how he does things. I don't think that. I think he expects the most out of each and every one of his players, and they know that as well. So I don't think they expect to be able to take their 
foot off the gas pedal because they are gunning for home ice advantage. They want to set themselves up as best as they can going forward. So I think that, you know, like I mentioned before with the chemistry, they also probably understand that it's going to take more reps and more getting a feel for one another until they're really clicking on all cylinders like they were before the Palmarians Ajax um, edition because that's the kind of hockey that they, when they play, I think they're unstoppable. I, yeah, I, as an, as an Islander fan, I'm certainly hoping that's the case, but, um, Looking at, uh, you know, you, you see how Semyon Varlamov, um, you know, you say that to a Ranger fan, they're probably going to spit at you. I mean, especially with the, the <laughs> amount of shutout time he's gone over there. But do you, would you expect the fact that, you know, you know, that a lot of teams, especially in this condensed version of a season, um, have relied on, on a two goaltender system? And even in the bubble, you soared a lot. Do you think that, um, that Barry Trotz may consider, you know, doing a 1A, 1B system, or right now you just go with the hot guy and, and see what goes? I think that the entire league has been transitioning to the, you know, to relying on goalie tandems just because of the nature of the game now and just, you know, goalies are, are they're, they're better at their craft now than they were back then, I feel. And they're more, you know, it's not like a dime a dozen anymore. Like, there are more, and the Islanders in particular have two fantastic netminders in Varlamov and Sorokin. But, you know, I, I have gotten this question before, like people saying, oh, do you think that they're going to ride Varlamov through the playoffs? Or do you think they'll give Sorokin a look? And no doubt, game one, first round, Garlamov's in net. No, no. Absolutely no doubt. There, you know, Sorokin needs to watch. He needs to calm down. You know, his first playoff. So they're not going to throw a rookie like Sorokin right out there. And also just given how great Garlamov has been. But no doubt, I think Barry has enough faith in Sorokin and he's earned that faith as well that they will feel comfortable putting him in to give Barley a rest, you know, to um, also give him experience because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, yes, this team is a win-now team, but they've got a nice window here. They really do. I think that they have a two- to three-window here where they really could go the distance. So that's also going to take getting Sorokin some reps and also giving him his first playoff experience. And that's also why, you know, I just love this new trend of, of you know, I guess it's maybe it's not new, I guess, since I've been really focusing on the yeah. league, but bringing players like that are not, you know, going to play along with the team just so they can get, you know, comfortable with the guys, get to know them. And then the Rangers did it with Keandre Miller yep. in the bubble. So it's this thing of, you know, you want to integrate them in as soon as humanly possible. And that's what they did with Sorokin, and that's why he's integrated so seamlessly with this team. So it's all about that, and I think that it's definitely going to be a tandem-type situation, but Barley is their number one, no oh, doubt. Oh, for sure. Well, looking forward to it. But I've got one quick question, last question, before we uh, we let you go. And uh, someone asked me, and uh, the initials are CA, something about a chicken tender situation? <laughs> oh, are we really gonna go there? <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll we'll leave that we'll leave that to his show that's on right now in in in, uh, in tandem with mine. But uh, Molly, listen, it's been great talking to you, Bill. Uh, tell everybody how they can uh, f- 
definitely follow you and, and follow the great work that you do. Sure, yeah, you can read me in the actual physical New York Post <laughs> if you still like picking up paper. I know I do. Um, and at NewYorkPost.com and at Twitter, Molly Walker. I spell my name with an I-E, and on Twitter it's with two E's and two R's, yeah. <laughs> right. But definitely, we we will definitely keep in keep in touch with you. Listen, Molly, appreciate you coming on with us tonight, and uh, best of luck, have fun in the playoffs, and we'll definitely catch each other down the road. Thanks so much for having me. Have a good night. No problem. You too. Again, that's Molly Walker from the New York Post. Um, she will be covering the Islanders during the playoff run, and like I said, you know, I know some comments were made on Twitter. Um, I do like Molly's writing. She did a great job for us in the bubble last year. Yes. You know, the, you know, I didn't want to get into the politics of the post that they don't, uh, necessarily, you know, cover the Islanders, you know, uh, regularly. You know, that's, that's a decision on their paper. It's not a decision on us. Uh, but hopefully, um, you know, think they'll be able to write some good stuff over the next, say, uh, six to eight weeks on us. Uh, so we're going to take a break now to pay some bills. And when we come back, uh, my tag team partner, John Panarese, is calling from home. We're going to talk about the Rangers Islanders and all other sorts of stuff on WGBB Sports Talk New York. Come back in a few minutes, will you? You're listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. And we are back on Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGB. Gary Harding with you here. And before we uh, continue, just going to remind everyone that you can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You can also check out our website at WGBBSportsTalk.com where you can listen to all past shows and check out any upcoming show information. Lastly, if you don't do it already and we don't know why you don't, make sure you subscribe to us. Uh, we invite you to subscribe to WGBB Sports Talk New York podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. He's normally here beside me. We normally have a lot of great conversations on the car ride uh, into WGBB, but, you know, uh, things happened and I'm home. I'm here alone tonight, but my tag team partner needed to come on and, uh, you know, at least talk some good stuff. John Panneries is with me. Bud, how you doing? Good, good. All things considered. Yeah, all things considered, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, but listen, uh, I don't know if you got to hear Molly, but, uh, you know, she had some great insight on, you know, the team that she's co- she was covering and the team that she will be covering actually now, probably come Monday when it, well, after the season technically, but when it's official, you know, she's going to be uh, switching sides. But uh, your thoughts on the uh, last uh, 72 hours? Well, it was nice to see that the Islanders did what they had to do. You know, that was the important thing. After dropping, you know, virtually all the points to the Caps and really 
embarrassingly, in my opinion, not showing up for at least two of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice to see them take care of business. And, you know, I, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> because it was the Rangers, I guess it felt even better. But still, it didn't matter who they were going to be playing for these two games right. to make the playoffs and secure that playoff spot. They had to come out and play those two games. And it's just icing on the cake that there were shutouts. And then that was against the Rangers. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting, you know, how uh at the game I was at the game last night and, you know, a lot of the you know, there was a good number of Ranger fans and to me Islander fans that let their tickets go on um you know, on supplemental me- uh purchasing and uh, allowed Ranger fans to buy tickets. To me, they should they should have their season tickets revoked. Absolutely. Because the idea of this is, you know, you you're a season ticket holder and especially the fact that um Many season ticket holders that are not, you know, don't have a lot of seniority, we're not able to get this game. So you're talking season ticket holders with 15, 20, 30, 40 plus years of seniority had the chance to get these tickets and they gave them up. They decided I, to give I, them to Ranger fans and sell them for top dollar and make up for it. So they're making money on the deal. To me, they shouldn't be season ticket holders. No, they really should find out they really should find out who put them on the supplemental market and they should revoke their tickets. And uh, someday I wish they would. But anyway, but you know, they you know, Ranger fans were loud a little bit, you know, um you didn't hear that, you know, that pot van chant, but that's thank God for that, but you know, it, it was early, very early in the game after that that Beauvillier blast. Oh my god, what a shot that was. Um, it, it basically, you know, took the air out of the sails and, you know, um, you know, like I said, very happily, you know, we, we've got a playoff spot, but you know, they're not done. You know, as I said to Molly, as I said to Molly, you look at the three teams that are going to be in the playoffs with them, you know, on the road, the Islanders are 0-4 in DC, 0-4 in Pittsburgh, 1-2 in Boston with one game left. That's not a good percentage. No, it's a, you know, and that's the thing that really bothers me is we don't match up well with these three teams. And, you know, obviously the playoffs are a different season. So, you know, you can throw all the stuff out the window, but, you know, still, you know, I want to see them come out strong and at least get home ice advantage, you know, whether they finish in first or second, as long as they get the home ice advantage and start off at the college, that's, that to me, at least is a good, good start. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, I like that um, Barry went back to, you know, the line of Beauvillier, Bailey, and Nelson. And uh, over the last few games, they have just been absolutely solid. Uh, all those Bailey haters quickly shut their mouths after the last couple of games. Oh uh, yeah. Oh know, yeah. Oh yeah. Bailey's not a not a good player. He's not. You know, he doesn't no. do the right things. You know, it's it's amazing. You know, a, a buddy of mine put a Facebook post out and put some video up, and he said, just watch Bailey. Watch the little things that, that aren't in a stat pack. And it didn't result in a goal, but it resulted in two great uh, shooting opportunities where basically Bailey lifted, um, I'm trying to remember the, the Ranger player's stick. Um, it was one of the defensemen. But he lifted his stick just up enough, just enough, so that the puck was able to roll past and give Brock and Bo two two opportunities. Again, it's the little things, you know. Everybody ex- everybody expects that he needs to be scoring, you know, sixty points. He should be on pace with Austin Matthews and 
and Leon yeah. Dreisaitl, and that and that's not his game. And, and you know, and Barry Trotz, if you listen to the way he praises Bailey, I mean, it's coming from Trotz, and right. to me, that should just speak volumes to any Islander fan, and just just you know, Judy Lafacha, you know. <laughs> I'm not going to ask what that means, but okay, I'll take your word for it. Shut your face. Oh, okay. Let's just shut your face. Okay, that's good. That's good. I wasn't sure if you know we had a we had a. No, 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 no. I wouldn't do that, to Brian. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, looking at the schedule coming up now, two games in Buffalo, one Monday and Tuesday, home games against the Devils on Thursday and 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 Saturday. Um, you know, you don't take them lightly, but. You know, you would expect, you know, the way other teams have feasted on them, you would expect, you know, the Islanders to pull eight out of eight. And again, they should. And that would, that would make, and that would make the game on Monday the 11th or Monday the 10th or Tuesday the 11th against the Boston Bruins an incredibly huge game because that could determine, you know, whether they are going to have a home game or not, you know, a home game one or not. You know, right, it, and, and you can't take this for granted. They have to get these points. You don't want to finish in fourth. You know, like I said, it's home ice advantage, and that's the only, you know, the only leg up that I can, you know, based on how we've done against these teams this season. At least that's better than nothing. And based on what this team has done on home ice, I mean, it's just right. That's true. It's that's just true, an true. amazing, amazing stat. Twenty, what, twenty-three and three right now at on at right. home. I mean that's an incredible record, and you know that that's going to mean all the more. You're not playing in a bubble. You're not playing in you know in a, in a stale and not a stale, but a a, a um, you know an, a basic environment. You know you've got your even though it's a smaller number and it may go up to twenty five percent. I think come when when playoffs start, but you know having you know the the island the rabbit islander fan in that building they, and the players have said it. It makes such a difference in the world, right? You know. You know, even in even in those fifteen games that they weren't having fans in the building, it still meant something to play in that building. And you know, Fort never lose. You know, the name is becoming, uh, you know, back again. You know, and it's a great way to to, to you know usher out the Coliseum to, to to have that kind of a record at home again. Yeah, <laughs> we got to mention that word again, 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 yeah. again. But <laughs> again, this will be the last one because. Uh, you know, I know they just um, put, poured the concrete down over the uh, where the ice will be, and um, supposedly I hear seats are going in the next week or two, and the scoreboard's going up. Um, so you know, it, it's getting closer, and it's just you know, what a great way to you know end the Coliseum tenure and then start the you know with the, with the new building. But um, your thoughts on on the on the, you know, we talked about the Rangers. I know we don't, you know, no, we normally don't talk about the Rangers, but I will say, you know, looking at it not as an Islander fan, but looking at it as a hockey fan, I, I think, I think the Rangers' future is incredibly bright. Absolutely, I think they got a lot of talent through that lineup, and you know, give these guys a couple of years, and, and from my understanding, they still have other guys. Uh, in the minors that can allow them to even, you know, make some, some trades or whatever. So that's, that's a team on the rise as far as I'm, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Cause we were talking with Molly about it. There's 20, there's 25 million under the cap right now. You know, they do have only, I think they only have two, two unrestricted free agents, a couple of restricted, you know, and Butchnevich is one of them. And 
to me, they got to pay him big bucks. I mean, you know, looking at the games on Thursday and Saturday, he was the only one that I that really stood. I won't say stood out, but stood above the others. I mean, he was he right. had an incredible game. A couple of great opportunities. Um, I like him on the power play. To me, he reminded me of Anders Lee. He just stood in front of Varlamov and basically pushed his butt cheeks down next to Varlamov's face, which I thought was pretty interesting. But to me, <laughs> he's a, he's going to be he's going to be a great player and and working with those guys. But again, the key the key word you didn't say and the key word with this Ranger team is young. They yes. are very very young. They are deep in you know next year's draft. This year's draft coming up, they've got, I think, nine picks. You know, they've got two, I think, t- uh, three thirds and two seconds next year. So there's a lot of picks. They've got a lot of talent up in Hartford. Um, they brought some kids up. Obviously, a couple of college kids came up, uh, you know, this in the past couple of weeks, but, you know, they are a very, very young team. And, and, you know, uh, the rest of this division or whatever division, how we're going to look next year is going to have to watch themselves because, you know, if, if they get it right, um, you know, they, they have the makings of a, of a very strong team. Absolutely. And that's, you know, and that's, that's the way hockey is. And, you know, I think you see like, uh, you know, uh, Washington and Pittsburgh, how much further can they, you know, can they keep up the pace, you know? I, I think, you know, you're going to see the Rangers and, and even the Flyers starting to, you know, make some noise. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, some guy named uh, Ovechkin's a free agent this year. You want to pick him up? <laughs> I don't yeah, think maybe he's he'll going come in. back and play for Barry. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? Maybe Barry's got a trick up his sleeve. But, but you're right. You know, Washington's getting older. There's a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of contracts that are going to be coming up. Pittsburgh's older. I mean, Malkin, I just heard, is starting to skate again. Um, but he's been he's been injured severely every year. I mean, you know, I don't know how much more Pittsburgh can take it at. But again, they've done the right thing. They've 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 brought their their young talent up, and it's been great. Uh, my only concern, being an Islander fan, is you look at you look at our talent pool, and, and they're coming up, but there's not a lot. There's not a lot in Bridgeport right now coming up. No, we only can no. hope that the draft picks that they've got are, you know, in a couple of years ready to to make their moves. But, you know, you've got guys under contract for a considerable amount of time. You know, Wallstrom is, you know, doing doing well. Um, hopefully, Kiefer Bell's, you know, can turn a corner and, you know, show what he can do. But, you know, I, I, I you know, the one thing I won't, and as I said to Molly, the one thing I won't miss is Boston in our division next year. No. No, absolutely no. not. I no, saw them too many times this season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, we hope, uh, we hope things go, um, you know, in a positive direction, um, you know, for the Isles. And, uh, we look forward to, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to say playoffs. It's nice to think about, uh, you know, what's going to happen and, you know, Stanley Cup in July. Hmm. Yeah, anything can happen in the playoffs. It's a completely new season. We saw that in the bubble. We saw how well this team came together. And what's not to say that they don't, you know, they don't pull it out again and, and, and progress. And I think if they can get out of the division and get to that third round, uh, you know, I think it's wide open. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, you know, in every division, when you look at, the, when you look at the standings, I mean, obviously right now, 
three teams in the in the Easter in one with a magic number of one. So we know that's going to be. You look at the you look at the Central. You got Carolina, Tampa, and Florida all within two points of each other for first place, and then you got Dallas and Nashville fifteen points behind battling for the fourth spot. I think you could basically say that Chicago is out. Yeah. Uh, looking so. at the North, you got Toronto running away with it. Um, Edmonton and Winnipeg with the two and three, and it looks like Montreal is going to get the fourth. I think Calgary is just about run out of gas, and they're done. Yeah. Um, Vancouver's still got like six extra games to play, but I don't think they're going to reach. Nah, I think they're too far back. And then you look at the West, it looks like it's just about all ready. You know, you got Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota battling for one, two, three. It looks like Colorado and Vegas one and two. Minnesota will be three. Um, St. Louis. St. Louis is pretty much. They're 15 points alone. back, but it looks like they've got a stranglehold on the fourth because Car- uh, Arizona's three, uh, Three games more played and three points behind, so it looks like it's just about right. almost not mathematically done, but it looks like it's set. But you look at all four of those divisions to get out of your divisions; it's going to be a war. Yeah, it's going to be a bloodbath. I it mean, is, you know, especially after fifty-six games in the tight schedule. Now you're going into the playoffs where it's going to be every other night. It is. It's whoever gets out of their divisions. It's it's going to be a, it's going to be a miracle. The only benefit, if I want to call it a benefit. Is that the East doesn't have to travel as much? I mean, think about the right. North. That's true. You know, if you got you know Toronto, I mean, if it's if it ends up right now, it'd be Toronto, Montreal, which is okay. But you get Edmonton, Winnipeg, which is not too bad. It's an hour and a half, two hour flight from Winnipeg to Edmonton. But you know, Toronto or Montreal are going to have to go, you know, basically across the country to play, you know, their games. So and you know, and uh, they've been doing it all year. So I guess it's not a a negative thing. But you got to think on a, on a seven game series. With that, with the yeah. travel, that's going to be that's going to be taxing on on guys. Now, putting the Tavares bias aside, are you buying into Toronto being as good? I th- I think that right now, offensively, yeah, I think they're that good. However, I I just question the goaltending. Yeah, you know, Campbell's I'm done a, Campbell's done an incredible job. Um, you know, and Anderson when he's in there has has signs, but to me that's going to be their Achilles heel. And I, I think once you get past their second and third line, uh, def- I mean, once you get past your first defensive pair, I really just don't have any any faith in in the two uh, in the the four defensive guys in front of them. I just don't. Yeah, I'm not really buying into them. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. You know, but you know, you could score all you want, and again, we all know this following the sport for for decades and decades. Defense wins your championships, yep, and you win it. from the goaltender out. That's and right. you, you know, do you put that pressure on this Campbell kid? Yeah, he came out and won ten in a row. That's great, but you know, you're you're playing with no fans and pressure. But even though you're playing with no fans in Canada, pressure in the playoffs it's a whole different animal to deal with. And yep. you know, remember, Toronto Maple Leafs have not won out of come out of a first round in I don't know how many years. Yeah, that's true. You know, so they to me they they they're doing well, but they you know that doesn't prove anything. Remember, Tampa, the Tampa Bay Lightning in twenty uh, twenty nineteen won sixty two games. Where did they go that playoff year? Right, they got swept. They didn't win a game. They did that's not right. win a game. So you know, again, bias aside on Tavares, it doesn't matter. You know, you could do all you want offensively. Austin Matthews is, a, is an incredible talent. Mitch Marner is a great 
playmaker. They've got great, you know, guys up and down that lineup that can score and and do great things offensively. But if you can, uh, you can't keep the puck out of your net, you know. And their their num their defensive numbers aren't terrible. I know, no. but they're not no. they're not they're not super. You know, I would say they're they're maybe like top, you know just un, just under the top ten. That's fine, but you know, but they've got they to be there. You know, come you know the end of May and June. I I'm not I'm not sold yet. I'm no, really not sold. No, neither am I. And the same neither thing. And the same thing. You look at with the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, they're they're, you know, they don't have as many wins as the Leafs and whatever, but they're in the same situation. They're scoring like mad. Connor McDavid's going to get a hundred points in the fifty-six game schedule. Amazing! It is unreal. I mean, this kid. You know, Matt Barzell has got some highlight reels, but every game to Connor McDavid is a highlight reel. He's incredible, yeah. and Drysaddle with him is there. But you know, again, you get past Beyond that, that. You, you get past that line. They're okay, but they're you know, they're not the same. And defensively, they're right around the same number goals against. So you know, within a couple, so that you're talking you know thirteen fourteen, which is okay. But you know, is it going to be? Uh, is it going to be enough? You know, right? You know, so. Uh, that's you know it remains to be seen, but I, you know, um, the Islanders still have a shot for the Jennings Award. They're going to be bat- they're battling with the Vegas Golden Knights. The Golden Knights have four less goals uh, against than the Islanders, and the Islanders have played one more game. So it's going to come down, you know, to the last five. And again, maybe uh, you know maybe it is a good thing we're playing Buffalo and Jersey in the last five games. You hope, yeah. you hope so. <laughs> Well, I but so. I mean, I mean, I mean, think about. I mean, again, going back to Varlamov. I mean, over 200 consecutive uh, minutes of not allowing a goal. You know, broke Chico Resch's 1977 record. Um, you know, four shutouts against the Rangers. You know, I asked, I asked um, Molly. You know, when she was on earlier, I said, you know, what do you do? You know, in that situation, you know, do you, obviously you play Varlamov, but do you get? You know, do you put uh, you know Sorokin in on you know these games? And she said, she she mentioned the fact that I think it was very important that last year that um, Ilya was in, was with the team in the bubble, in the team in the playoff. Even though he wasn't playing, he was on the ice with the team, working with the team. So he's got the the comfort factor of of playoffs. And of course, you know he's won championships in the KHL, so it's not like right. he's not been around not like the block. Knew, but right. you know. I really think this year, more than any other year, I think you're going to, you're not going to necessarily have a goaltender win 16 games. I mean, as Vasilevsky did, you know, but, you know, he did it last year. But I don't think that's necessarily a, um, you know, a, a, a key to success is to have a goaltender win all 16 games. I think, you know, I think right. both of them need, are going to get, going to need to get involved. Especially after the grind of the season, you know, now you, you're really going to be, you know, compressed for a schedule, so to speak. So you, you need two goalies, without a doubt, to win. And rest is so important in this, in this yes. you know, kind of a situation. You know, I mean, you know, knock on wood, you know, with the exception of, um, of Anders Lee, you know, the team has been relatively healthy. The Islander team has been relatively healthy. Um you know, there's been some, you know, little blips along the screens, but, you know, you've got a very healthy team going in. Um, but, you know, the, each one of these seven game series, depending on who they, doesn't matter who they're playing is going to be, 
is going to be complete and total war. So, any word on Anders Lee with the knee? I mean, no. I haven't read anything anywhere about. No, it. they. It's all been you know out for the year. Not even a chance to come back. Um, Which surprises me for that injury. Yeah, I mean, it must have it must have been really sincere, you know, severe for him to, you know, for the medical people to say no. You know, right. um, I know he's not yeah. been anywhere near the ice. You know, he's doing lots of rehab and stuff, but, you know, there's no, you know, there's been no uh, signs of anything, you know, with that. And, and just, you know, him skating. you got to go to war with it. And, and, you know, we didn't talk about it with Molly, but, you know, um, of course, he's been, uh, you know, a topic of conversation on the negative. You know, so many people, you know, including my good little buddy Kimmy, I'm saying, why is Kamarov, why is Kamarov there? Why is Kamarov there? Uh, well, you know what? Uh, I, I mean, the last, uh, I would say the last five games, he's really shown why he's been there. Because he's I, done so am, many, so yeah. many of the things in the corners, being, being a nasty presence, you know, you know, in, in the, in the mucking and grinding category to allow, you know, Barzell and, or, um, Eberly to, to have some, some time and space, and, and and again, Butch has mentioned it time and time again. How important it is, you know. Granted, he, you know, Barzi only just got back on the score sheet, you know, in the last couple of games, but he's had so much opportunity, you know, with with him on the lineup. Everyone's saying yeah, put Ball Mary there, put Ball Mary there, but no, I'm comfortable with I'm it. I'm kind of buying into to Uncle Leo on that line. I, he just also defensively. I mean, there have been just the little things he does coming back or in the defensive zone, mm-hmm. you know, that, that little, again, just like we talked about with Bailey, you know, they don't show up on the stats, you know, on, on the, you know, the cool kid stats, but mm-hmm. they're things that you notice if you're a hockey fan. Yeah, right. As I call them, the keyboard coaches, you know, they right. just think they yeah. know, you know, they know more than you do. I'm like, sorry. Right. Obviously. You know, I mean, Barry Trotz has sneezed more than, than, Fans on Twitter know, you know right? But and again, you know, it's I'm I'm very pleased with the way they're performing, and 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 very happy that you know they got through this. And you know, again, it was it was not poetic justice, but it was you know just perfectly fitting that you know they they yes. they clinched it, you know, against against their rivals, and um, you know things are things are looking. Better, you know, we were concerned with Washington. You still have to be concerned with Washington, but you know, once the uh, once the um, game fifty six is completed, you're zero and zero. That's just so. it. It's a new season. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen that so many times over the years in the playoffs that that it doesn't matter what your record is against the team in the regular season. It just doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Couple of minutes, we got you. Um, you're, you know, we're both Met fans. Your thoughts on? Uh, the Mets season so far, other than other than guy, the guy wearing number forty-eight. Oh gosh, um, I mean to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not totally surprised. Maybe I just came in being a little more realistic than the Mets fans who are on cloud nine. Um, I think they're going to be okay. You know that's why it's a hundred and sixty-two game season. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's things that have to be fixed. And, you know, and obviously guys need to come out of the, you know, the slumps. I mean, the offense has is, is been the real mystery to me as, you know, as a, or many Met fans. Yeah, those four but, words, those four words, uh, four letters, R-I-S-P. Yeah. 
it's just, <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't need to say anything. Runners in scoring position. Scoring I mean, position, right, yes. Yeah. I mean, right now the, know, Mets many, are, the Mets are 1-1 in the sixth, um, and they've got runners again, on the there corners. there we are. There we are. Yeah. You know, 1-1. This team should be scoring, you know, three and a half runs, four runs a game with the offense they have. I mean, and poor DeGrom, I, I, this guy can sue for lack of support. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I mean, you look at guys that are around the same age, you know, the stars that are in the same age category, and DeGrom is at least 40 to 50 wins behind them. I mean, he's only got 71 wins in his career. I mean, That's you just, know. It's criminal. Yeah. It's criminal. But, I mean, the fact that you're seeing guys now throwing 101 miles an hour with no effort is just, it's a, it's an incredible thing, you know. But, uh you know, like you said, you know, we're, we're still cautiously optimistic. Things are going to be better, you know, uh, you know, kind of like how the Islanders were with the bubble. Thank God they're doing it, you know, the way they were doing it and not, you know, like in September and October, you know, when it gets close. But every game's important. Listen, John, we're going to uh, we're going to let you go. Um, like I said, we'll keep in touch. And my prayers are with you and the family. And um, we will uh, definitely uh, get back to the uh, broadcasting together soon. Yep. Yep, you got it. All right, take care, John. All the best. All right, take it easy. All right, All right. bye-bye now. Bye-bye. All right, that was my tag team partner, John Panarese. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, he's uh, dealing with a family situation right now, and our, our thoughts and prayers go to John and his family. Um, we have finished one hour on Sports Talk 1240 tonight. Or, sorry, WGBB Sports Talk New York. I still get the old call sign changed. I know, Brian, don't smirk. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, we got one hour under the books. Uh, when we come back, um, we got my buddy Paul Kreischer, the uh, head man on Isles Talk, who's going to join us for the whole hour, uh, talking about all sorts of stuff, playoff implications, draft applications, all sorts of stuff hockey-related. Uh, come back on the second hour of Sports Talk 1240. We'll see you soon. expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.